time has come to retool our playing for ourselves, for our students, and for the greater groove. And the big question remains, of course, what is the future of strings? Come on, let's talk about it. the future of strings and this is a place where we talk about how string players groove how we can get the groove back on the strings and i've got a guy on the show tonight my buddy earl Manian, who is doing stuff with the violin with six seven string violins electric stuff playing metal playing all kinds of stuff. You're going to hear about it here in a second. He's a classically trained violinist from the Manus School. A metal player. He's a composer who's written a violin concerto for Rachel Barton Pine. Um, and lots of other cool commissions that he's, uh, that he's done as a composer. I was just listening to this great piece of yours called Indefinite Detention on the oh, uh, Masumi... Wow. Rostad record that I guess just came out recently. Yeah. When did that when did that thing come out? Uh I want to say two months ago. Something like yeah. that. Recent. Very cool piece, man. Very cool piece. Just got this rock and roll energy on an acoustic viola. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Masumi is amazing. You know. Uh yeah. he's one like I, I I actually I don't know if you know, uh he's one of my like childhood friends. Uh we grew up together. Is that right? Yeah. We we were we were at uh we're at the Bronx High School of Science ah, together. Yeah, and huh. uh, and we both my parents, by the way, are from the Bronx. Are they science alumni also? Or uh, my dad was like DeWitt Clinton High School. Oh my god, those are the kids that used to beat us up. <laughs> they were from my dad's on the Grand Concourse. My mom's from Jerome Avenue. Sure, and uh, <laughs> sure, I know the, I know both oh, yeah. those streets. I've been chased down long, both long those streets. Ago. <laughs> that's amazing all right i'm gonna all right i'm gonna finish your bio over here okay. he's also <laughs> a member of the vitamin string quartet black heart sutra revolution 15 and one of my favorite groups of all time seven sons wow. which is i don't know it's hard to describe seven sons a string quartet with other random people who join you playing a combination of acoustic and electric instruments doing a combination of insanely wonderful contemporary classical writing with insane rock and roll energy. Uh, it just speaks to my heart. Uh, I, I, it's so wonderful to see the kind of work that you are doing in the string world, man. That's why I really wanted you on the show, because you are breaking 
barriers and and you don't you don't even see barriers. You just playing what you love and combining the music that you grew up with, which is classical and punk and rock and all of that stuff together. And that's what I want to talk about, man. So so just feel free to to freestyle. I don't know what we we haven't you know in, in true improvisational style. We haven't prepared for this at all. We are totally I have unprepared. No idea what <laughs> what's that? We are totally unprepared. We are completely <laughs> unprepared. That's the way we roll here. And uh, I don't know what exactly what topic we're going to focus on. I don't know what tune we're going to groove hack. But hopefully you have a, 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 a an idea, and uh, we're going to get into it. Um, so yeah. So just let's start off. You know, just kind of tell people how. How it is that you uh, came to the music that you are writing, the kind of thing that we were just talking about, indefinite detention, that you wrote. Like, what? where are you drawing that inspiration from? What is your goal when you're writing a piece like that? Wow. Well, well, well first of all, Tracy, I feel enormous pressure now because that introduction was possibly the most <laughs> amazing. Like, I feel embarrassed and honored at once, like just simultaneous. Like, I don't- That's great. That's a perfect place to be. I don't <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. So to try to answer this question, I guess the short podcast worthy answer before the TLDR kind of kicks in is uh, I grew up listening to all of that music and that um, I was, you know, my parents put me into violin lessons when I was five, but I also loved it. Like, so the violin is actually truly, I, it's my instrument. I feel this, uh, like just this connection to it. Because I play other instruments too, but I'm all, I, I somehow always end up back at the violin. So there's that. And um, but I also grew up. I think there's, without getting too much into it, there's also probably a class issue at work here in terms of why I ended up playing the music that I play and writing how I write. Because interesting. Um, at least that's what I think, having thought about it for a while. Um, because. As far as I know, people playing metal and more like extreme music, hardcore punk on the violin is there's like five of us, maybe right. something like this. You know, there's me, there's yeah. Chuck, there's Sage, there's, you know, there's there's a there's some people for sure. Lyris. Um, but it's not really a thing, you know, and I yeah. think that has to do with what punk and metal are in terms of a, a, a sort of a working class folk music not folk like Woody Guthrie but folk in that but mm -hmm. in, it's our contemporary folk music isn't it it's a vernacular it's the it's one of them right as uh, you know right. it's what right right it's one of them right. as a, you know, uh, uh, including you know rock and roll and, and hip-hop and hip-hop yeah, yeah. All, all you know but but metal and punk are uh, one what that subculture is a folk music of uh, right. Western society and um, classical music is it, it's always been it's always had I think an uncomfortable but symbiotic relationship with the uber wealthy and with royalty with you know and primarily white primarily white which is I like that things are changing that there's an awareness going on but it's definitely there's miles miles to go <laughs> on that yeah. one you know more black composers but anyway so so um so I think as a child of immigrants growing up in a very you know in a working class neighborhood in Queens all my friends were into hardcore all of them 
So the, we were all yeah. we were all going to shows, and I love that music too because that's where I come from. So it was this, it, so it was like two different worlds where I would go to this sort of um, upwardly mobile or uh, what's the word? Right. It's this sort of aspirational. aspirational. Yeah. Thank you, Tracy. So <laughs> so like a lot of the kids in 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 classical music school also were. There were plenty of immigrant children of parents, but it was an, a sort of an aspirational thing. Like we play this music, it's associated with um, upper class, and therefore yeah. that's what it is. So experiencing and having a foot in each culture is why I write the music that I write. I am absolutely profoundly influenced by Western European classical music. There's no denying yeah. that. That's that's right. that's from when I was five learning Suzuki, which is like you know aspects. It's you know it's it's German. It's 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 Shinichi taking Suzuki taking you know German pedagogical things and putting into a in his format. But it's all German, right? All that stuff. Right. So I can't help. I am profoundly influenced by that. But I'm also profoundly influenced by the neighborhood in which I grew up in, and by my friends, and by the music that I listen to, as a member of that community growing up. Yeah. Yeah. When you're writing, do you consciously think about that? Or does, when you're like, if you're writing, a, a, you know, a piece that's using, let's say like a metal riff or something like that, are you, um, do, do you automatically do more classical kind of techniques with it? Like take that riff and use it you know, fugally or, or, you know, take, use imitation or, you know, more classical type of techniques that your average rocker might not be aware of. Um, yes and no. I think, uh, it depends on the project that I'm working on. And I think it's not conscious. It's never, I, I, I don't really set out to write like, sometimes. A synthesis. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I, sometimes I get rules from like a commission. Right, and then that's kind right. of easy because I have rules given to me, so then I just mm -hmm. kind of obey the rules and like and just do right. what they ask for and within and the then try to be creative yeah. within that those parameters and see where I can like kind of push the lines, you know. Um, right. But when I'm writing right. just strictly for me, it depends on the project. Um, for Seven Sons, I absolutely do that. I absolutely take a metal riff and I start throwing like a fugue in the middle, you know, like, because, but I'm also motivated by what feels right at the time. Like I'll definitely write shit and then I'll like listen to it and I'll be like, that's not, that's, I don't want to fucking hear that. And then like, I'll just like, you know what I mean? Like, or I'll just, I'm, I'm sure you have a similar process, Tracy, when you write, like, you know, in that way of like, you're guided by what you want to hear next, what belongs next. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's it's not necessarily conscious, but f f it's funny that you said fugues because fugues have definitely found their way into my writing, especially for Seven Sons. Yeah. So, yeah. so no, I, you know, you hear that sophisticated, more sophisticated type of compositional stuff that you don't tend to hear in your average rock band, you know. Um, and that's just because you're exposed to that, you're aware of that, and that's the way your brain works because, you know, you're writing for a string quartet and you know, the str a string quartet has that potential to, to do stuff like that in a more sort of, you know, mini orchestral way. Right. But, you know, here's the thing, just because I do the same, the same kind of process, um, I'm often trying to play something on a violin that's essentially a guitar part, right? I'm trying to rock out. 
right? We're trying to chug or, or whatever. We're, pl- we're playing riff rock or whatever it is. And there is, it takes so much effort to make it sound authentically rock yeah. that a big part of my focus is how do I do this in an authentic guitar manner so that it it's what a guitar player would do. So part of me is closing off all the Mozart and Tchaikovsky that I was brought up with and going, you know, um, you know, exclude that and focus on, you know, whatever guitar player that uh, style that I'm that I'm trying to replicate. So that bringing that back in is is a tricky thing because you're sort of shifting your focus to how can I sound authentically rock? And then at the same time, you're going, how can I take this authentic rock thing that I'm now doing on a violin and do something truly creative in a string quartet context with that? You know what I'm Ab- saying? Absolutely. So it's kind of a... A, a, a funny dichotomy. It's absolutely, and it's. I think it's. It's. It, and and the balance point is going to be different for everything that you write. Right? Am I right with that? That like. Yeah. It's. It's depends so, on the piece. Right. Yeah. It depends on the piece. So sometimes you're going to be like, it's going to be kind of super classical, and there's going to be like, only kind of like a little bit of a hint of like a Hendrixy kind of a line there right. that it's just it's almost sort of in the in the background there that it's there and then other times it's going to be absolutely in the foreground you know right like what like going to be a death metal tune that you're now going to have counterpoint going on <laughs> right you know like like when like, like when, 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 when we when we were hung out hanging out in alaska like when i watched yeah. your set i saw that in action too i saw you like really kind of going kind of like really super classical and the rock rock would kind of like kind of go into the background as sort of like a texture and then sometimes right. i would just watch you make the rock like bang i'm just gonna do a fucking hendrix thing right now and this is what this is and there's no there's like mozart has gone to have a cigarette has left outside you know he's <laughs> smoking out in the parking lot that dude is out that dude is not here <laughs> you know like exactly so i yeah, yeah. so i would say it's exact it's it's i i go through a very similar thing in my writing and it, it it definitely has gradations yeah yeah cool you know uh, because we're talking and talking about this and talking about music is as they say like dancing about architecture, architecture. let's um let's get uh let's get into it and I, I would love for you to show some of our or play for our listeners uh, a little bit of what you do, because if they're not familiar with it, and I'm going to put all kinds of links to your shit on here, so people hopefully will get familiar. But um, you do something really kind of unique. You know, I talk a lot about you know whatever um, stromboing stuff like that, and you know don't use vibrato and whatever my shtick is. But you have your own shtick, which is quite uh, quite unique, especially when it comes to the sort of I don't know what would you would you think of it as speed metal or what or, or just heavy metal or how you characterize it. But I'd love for you to show people what we're talking about. It's easier to just hear it than to talk about. Absolutely. Um, the label is always confusing because um, if, within metal and extreme music, there's this like extreme balkanization of it, and then like when the things are done like slightly differently, suddenly it's a new genre. I, I right. think it's uh, I think that's a little silly to be honest with you. Um, it's crazy. It's like in hip hop, you know, every five BPMs has a different you know genre that's right. attached to it. So it's the same in metal. <laughs> it's the same in metal that it's a different thing. Um, 
I, if you were to pin me down, I like to think I do a whole bunch of different things, but if you were to pin me, pin me, pin me down, it's a sort of a metallic hardcore Yeah, that, that hardcore. I do. There so um, uh, I guess I'll play, I'll play one of my songs, right? Because cool. I, 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 did know, I, did, I did a little homework and I did think of uh, the, 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 the groove uh, thing. I was going to do a Metallica. Yeah. I, think I, I think a Metallica thing would be great because that's like accessible. A lot of people know it. And it would be, right. you know, like, and it's a riff that we could like really get into, like, but for Perfect. to show people, I'll just play one of mine. So excellent. Like, uh, are you playing a six or seven string? This is right a seven there. string. E okay. A D G C F and B flat. There we go. So, all right. So I, I'll I'll play a song. I'll play the main riff for uh, a song that I wrote called Yama. Yes. So I love this one. I think, yeah, you probably know it, actually. Maybe, maybe. Uh... <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, demonstrating in that little example that some of that fast bow stuff that you do that, you know, you were writing about. You were kind enough to write an article in my Strumboing book about this. And uh, and break that down just for a little bit so you tell people what you're doing. So uh, it's actually, it's one of those things that's super simple, but not really. It's literally two sixteenths and an eighth note, but they're like mm -hmm. repeated and it's just, that's all it is, but. But it's very fast and it's coming out very clean, even though you're using a ton of distortion, which makes notes hard harder, to articulate. Harder to articulate. Yeah. So, so my, my technique, so when I was, uh, when I first started out trying to write and play this kind of music, I used to ricochet that figure. So. That kind of works also, but the, 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 it came out when I, when in, in our recording, when my, when my band recorded our first album and I played all those riffs in this ricochet way, the power wasn't there. Yeah. So you had the accuracy, which is fine. Cause what's the French word? Is this saltier? Is this, is it, yeah, is it yes. Saltier, right? So I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, right. So school was a long time ago, man. I, I'm pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> Can I just say that I'm pretty impressed with my Saltier? Anyway, so. Yeah, saltier. So I'll have the Saltier, please. Right, oh. right, so when I, so when we recorded it, it, it was, the wave files were super weak and it, hmm. it kind of came through. So I had to go back to the drawing board. So this is played super close to the frog. I right. use the tiniest amount possible. So, yes. and I play it super close, literally close to the chest. So, so you start out slow. So if you're just trying to do it, you kind of go. And then you're also, I'm, I guess if you're, if you are trying to learn this sort of thing, you need to be really conscious of your arm weight and actually turning off your arm in that mm -hmm. tiny space between the last eighth note 
before the next group of 16s. Right. Otherwise, you, uh, you will absolutely hurt yourself. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> that's a big warning, actually, to whoever's... Yeah. So, you, yeah. so you're saying release the tension. The tension that you need for the 16th. You have to, add, in that little moment, release it so that you can start again. Absolutely. That's imperative. Right. You can't have a tense arm the whole time. You're, there's no way... Actually, I'll t- uh, 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 an interesting ad- anecdote... I guess, yeah. well, I just called it, I'm, gonna, I'm an asshole because I just called it interesting. That's, we'll be the judge. Yeah, you'll be the judge of that. It's not up to me. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, I apologize for my conceit. So, so, anyway, so um, I, I wrote that figure in the concerto that I wrote for, for, for Rachel. And, yeah. um, and uh, the concertmaster of Phoenix said that it was unplayable. This I love it. I love that when that comes up. Right. But he was very nice. Like it was and and, and I'm not angry about because he's coming where he's coming from. Like like you see yeah. that line at 220 to the quarter note and then you see like a group of 16ths and an eight like there and you know and I I I can understand. He'd be like this is not playable. This is not what is this? This this guy is not a violinist. So then, right. so the conductor, who I think we, we both know, Tito Munoz, said, mm-hmm. well, the composer happens to be here. So, so. <laughs> and we'll demonstrate it for you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so so it was actually really funny because Rachel just hands me her violin and I just kind of went, I got up there and went. <laughs> for kind of a long time. And then, you know, so then obviously it's doable and playable. Um, yep. <laughs> I, I guess I want to say that that little thing is a built is a block, right? You obviously can't make a song with it, but I think it's probably the equivalent. Wow, oh man, what's what's a good equivalent for this? It's like the letter E, right? Like in terms of like language, how it's super important and it's in everything, but it's nothing by itself. Right. Right. Like you kind of have to put it in. So in in heavy metal, that that and the straight chugs are the two primary uh, letters of the alphabet, the which I'm also, as you can see, I'm doing it super close. I'm holding it like it's it's the brush stroke and it's really Mm -hmm. right by the frog. And then that other part of the alphabet is and you can you yep. mix it up with what i like to call greek chorus kind of things like you have like that primary thing but then you have a sort of is antiphonal the right word but you have a commentary mm-hmm. yeah so you have uh, making something up like like uh oh, actually i'll use mine the so that's the building block and then you have so then you have like this right. little phrase that kind of like like an answer right right so like there's a Lamb of God song that uses that quite well that I kind of messed it up a little bit but that's that's 
as you, but that's pretty clear. I think that that's an example yeah. that shows. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I want to just bring out something you you mentioned. Use very little bow at the frog when you're doing this, as opposed to like the ricochet in the middle of the bow. Uh, and it brings out a point that I've I've mentioned in almost every podcast, which is when you're playing rhythmically, which is what this podcast is all about. Um, less is more in terms of using your bow. Um, you know, it, uh, for all of us classical players, we've all our lives been told to use more bow, to make more sound project to the back of the hall. That's the whole Galamian, you know, approach. Um, but when you're playing rhythm, the less bow you use, the more accuracy you will have. Oh my so God, yes. it's non-intuitive for most string players, but when you are playing, especially when you're playing an amplified instrument, you do not need a lot of bow. In fact, you should not use a lot of bow. Absolutely, that's that's a huge thing. I'm gonna, I will just agree with you a thousand percent, <laughs> Tracy. I, and, and not for so so obviously you have me on this podcast because I've kind of done this thing with metal, but I play tons of non-metal things also for work. Because, yes. you know, so... Well, you're a member of the Vitamin String Quartet, for one thing. Right. And, you know, which is, for those of you who are not familiar, it's a wonderful string quartet. I love your your uh, late Beethoven cycle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the recording. Oh, let me get into the recording of the Grosse Fuga. I mean, like, it was... <laughs> I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, we were just in separate rooms because we hated each other. Um, so what I was going to show, actually, yeah. quickly, if I can... I'm trapped. So, um, so I, when I, when I do like the wedding stuff or like when I do yeah. like pop things, that aspect that you're talking about, that you push, like. I have to play that riff kind of a lot, especially if it's like, if I'm in, in, in the band and I'm comping and it's not natural for like the violin is not a traditional part of this of that setup so yep. you kind of have to sell your worth in a way like you have to find your it's up to you the violinist or string player to kind of like let them know that hey i actually add to the texture i can contribute in some way without like getting in the way of yep. what's happening and so yes. that last, which is pure, that's, that's your bread and butter, man. That, that's, that's what you, you're pioneering, like that, that kind of, all that stuff, which I, I, I feel, I, I feel a little, I'm like in the presence of you. I'm a little. No, no, man. I, I didn't make that. I didn't make that shit up. I'm just trying to get people to use it. You know, like Richard Green started that ball mm. rolling. Daryl took it. Darryl. And Casey and all those guys. And, you know, and me as well. But, um, you know, it's all about just trying to open up that door to classical players and the whole idea of playing rhythm rather than playing melodies all the time. That's what I'm really focusing on. You know, another thing about, about that whole fast, super fast kind of um, hardcore stroke that you're doing there. Uh, I remember one time I, I was getting you to explain this on a little video when we were up in Alaska. I like to, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you were saying how, you know, there's the tension in your arm, but your hand has to stay loose. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that the, 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 
the power so that you're not tightening everything in your arm. You're sort of tightening one muscle and the rest is staying loose. And it's almost a martial arts kind of control of that power, but looseness at the same time. If you're totally tense, you can't react. Yeah. You can't react and you can't respond to what the bow is giving you, right? Like, so what, what the, the it's, it's, it, man, I'm going to sound like such a hippie here, but like, yeah. it's like, you know, the string, the violin tells you something, right? Like, and you have to kind of, hold on, give me a second. Shit. <laughs> sorry, Tracy. Um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, sorry. Strap. Yeah, strap is, yeah, so. Strap issues. Strap issues. So, um, the violin tells you something. It's, I, I, yeah, like to sound like a hippie, it's like you're having a conversation with your instrument, right? So your instrument tells you something and you have to respond. If you're closed and you're like not, you're too tight, you can't respond. So there mm -hmm. is this element that you must be loose also, but because this is an aggressive music, you have to respond with power. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's that, so there's that, that element of that. Yeah. That thing. There. Yeah. I'm curious when you're doing that really fast stuff, are you muting with your left hand? How are you getting the clarity and still getting the tone of the note? So, you know, you can't just completely mute it. Like you're not just playing a, a, a percussive sound. You're, you're bringing out the note. So the string is ringing, but how are you getting it to respond so quickly like that? Wow. Uh, when I, let's see. Yeah, I am muting. I'm totally, I'm, I am muting the strings as I go along, but I'm also, part of it is also spending a lot of time making sure that the string crossings are clean. I think, honestly, I spend more time worrying about clean string crossings. Um, yeah. I, I, muting it is a factor, for sure. I do keep my fingers down. I don't lift them unless I have to. But Right, and also um, the type of distortion that you're using uh, you know, has to be tweaked and, and, and focused so that you can get the grit, you can get the sharpness, but you don't have all of this uh, feedbacky kind of ringing going on. Because there are a lot of, there are, you know, a lot of classical people don't realize that, you know, you want to get a guitar sound. There are as many different guitar tones and, and even guitar distortion tones, amp distortion sounds and pedal distortions. And if you have too much distortion, it'll be a mess, too little, and it won't have the power. power. Joe talks about this. Our, our friend Joe Denizon yep. talks a lot about this where a lot of classical uh, people coming in, um, they, they're, they're, you know, you spend all your time thinking about the acoustical properties of your beautiful instrument that you spent possibly, like you took out a loan possibly to buy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like these sure. incredibly expensive works of art. But people don't understand that that's now less than half your instrument, really, because the rest of it is all the pedals and all like what, how you EQ your sound, like what frequencies, like it's not just this, it's your amplifier. Yeah. It's the type yeah. of speaker you have. It's the type of processor you're using and you're going into it. And like you said, for, for what I do, like a fuzz, that would be used for something like a like like Sonic Youth, like, like the band Sonic yeah, Youth, like a big muff, big muff, like a big muff, a big kind of right. That would be yeah. terrible for me. Like no right. matter how crisp I keep my bow, no matter how much you know, 
uh, a Franco-Belgian, you know, Galamian delay <laughs> crap I, 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 I inherited over like whatever, like that's not useful if I'm using a big muff because it just right. Yep, it'll be a mess. It's a mess. So what are you using? So I am using basically a, uh, it's, so I, well, should I, t so right now I'm trying a new uh, processor. It's a yeah. Boss GT1000 core. Um, okay. And I think part of what has enabled me to do what I do is the advancement in technology that allows sure. you to kind of like really dial in your sound in the processor. Um, what this is, is a simulated uh, Mesa triple rec. And right. Trip. So that means uh, a Mesa boogie triple uh, uh, rectifier amp yes. is what he's referring to here. Yes. Um, I When I first started this out, I was using a Mesa uh, double rec with, um, w w and it was a real amp. It was the real head. And mm -hmm. no matter what I did, I would not have the tone I was like trying to go for. And that's actually a physics issue. It's because these strings are short and fat. So there isn't a lot of, like when you, when you have a guitar, think about a guitar string, right? And then when you, when you boom, don't go, it, it, the vibration, you're giving the amplifier more information mm -hmm. than you can with these things. So it wasn't really until the advent of, of these sort of modelers that I think yep. led to like massive improvements in what I'm trying, what I, what I try to do. Yeah, yeah, cool. Very cool. Very cool. So let's hear that Metallica riff, man. What's the... So I was thinking we could get into, in terms of the, the, the deconstructing uh, the, the riffs. Uh, uh, let's see. This is the main opening riff for Metallica's Disposable Heroes off of the album wow. Master of Puppets. Mm -hmm. So... That's what it is. And okay. so in terms of deconstructing, so like what you talk about, like in terms of what is this- Groove hacking. Yeah, this groove yeah. hacking. We are following, or not following, we are playing in tandem with the double kicks. Yep. So Lars is going in his feet, He's going And so all of that is lined up. Everybody is uh the Hetfield uh at the time Cliff Burton who died and Lars are playing this rhythm together in unison. In unison. Yeah. And that's what kind of it and everybody has to groove. Um so that's what drives the power. It's like these three things going exactly the same, doing exactly the same things. And, yep, and the kick gives it a lot of definition. Right, so you have the bass, it's kind of like, hmm, your guitar, or me, or whatever, like a plot, it kind of like gives you the top, top end of the field, right? right? The bass kind of like bottoms out the thing so there's actually like meat in it and then honestly the kick drum does all of it there is a, an attack but also the kick drum gives you the bottom as well right so you have those three forces moving in there yeah yeah pretty cool so give it to us slow one time sure <laughs>
That's what it is slow. And so when I practice things like this, I actually, I do practice it slow to go fast because you want to be, even though you're playing it fast, you actually still want to be oddly at ease here. Of course. You know? So you, like, then I'll bump it up. And then I'll work that for a little bit until the, I think the tempo, is it 220? I'll have to look it up, but it's the, uh, what feel. Uh, hold on. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. So nice. And as you're, pra as you're, when you're playing it slow and like you're, you know, picking it up one notch at a time with the metronome, are you th thinking about keeping that arm loose the whole time? Like bringing that relaxation that you can do more easily slower, trying to bring that relaxation with you as it gets faster so that you don't just lock up your arm. Yes, and I, I do lock up my arm. So that's part of the practice because like mm -hmm. I f cause it's actually, for me, one of the coolest fanboy moments was having this conversation with Rob Trujillo. Uh -huh. The bassist nice. of Metallica, right? So, because yeah. he was, me and him were talking about this element of like the music being so aggressive, but trying to relax inside of the aggression. Yes. And, and, yes. and sometimes. That's kind of the martial arts part of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a huge challenge. And then, like, and sometimes failing, actually. And then, like, getting tense. And then, like, just like both him and I have talked about, like, actually damage like muscling through a song and just being like oh that was not the way i wanted that to go because something yeah, right. internal happened where like it clicks and then you're just tense and that's you're locked well one of the hardest things to do is once you're once you're too tense once your arm is kind of locked it's really hard to unlock it yeah it's much better to not let it get there. Once it's there, you're kind of, wow, then you have to just sort of stop. So, sort of like a microcosm of tendonitis. It's great to avoid it. Once you've got it, there's not much you can do but stop playing for a while. That's right. You know? That's exactly right. And as so, so, so because I learn, because <laughs> I, I'm a casualty of my own uh, <laughs> invention, I think as, yeah. as, so I have carpal tunnel in both wrists. Wow. Um, Still. Well, it's it's manageable because I I did manage to figure out how to do this, and that's why right. I, I you know. But but in the early in the early years when I was trying to figure it out, there's nobody to teach me. There's nobody to know, and I was just trying to figure it out. So I would spend way too long working on things, yeah. and then like just and then not want to stop because I was just I had this monomania about it too, and then I would just I also kind of maybe it's a toxic whatever masculinity thing, but I just didn't want to stop. I was just like, well, I'm going to just keep on working. Well, it's a, you're type A, like most string players, you're a type A kind of person who's just determined to perfect something super difficult and you don't give up till you get it. Uh, and sometimes that can lead you into disastrous results physically. Right. So that's, it, it hurt me. So, but I, because, but at the same time, I did manage to figure it out. So yeah, it's a little bit like a classical, sorry to cut you off. It's a, I just want to say it's a little bit like a classical flying staccato or the uppo staccato, you know, where you're like, gah, 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 you know, you do that thing where your arm is super tense and your muscles are just kind of like, you know, uh, held in this tension in order to do it. And it's like, you got to practice that little bit at a time. Cause if you keep doing that for an hour, you're going to just ruin your arm. Yeah. 
that's absolutely right. <laughs> you bring up you bring up very 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 stressful and and and, and yeah. moments. <laughs> I, yes, uh, you brought me back to the practice room and and <laughs> Sibelius third movement exactly in thirds yeah that's right oh the memories the chilling memories no and you know the funny thing that's maybe this is a different conversation but it's I always I kind of vacillate between how I feel about it because spending all that time in the practice room did give me this technique that I've kind of extrapolated into something that speaks to me. Not that the Sibelius doesn't speak to me, it does, but like, but mm -hmm. I don't play the Sibelius violin concerto for a living. Right. I've played it in public twice. Nice. In college, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but once that, once I graduated, I've never had to, I have never, Matt Bell has a funny idea for a book where he says all my professional, like, like I don't play past third position. Matt is 100% correct to work and, and be a successful string player in a more commercial uh, yeah. setting. Day to day. Yeah. It's much more important to talk about the, 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 the aspects that you have been championing, this rhythm, like to be able to blend in and have that sense of groove, right? Right. The, the groove is number one. It is not whether you can play in seventh position reliably in tune. It's yeah. not. Well, you know, this is this is my whole thing with vi uh, string pedagogy is that you know is it, it, just that it, it became completely melodic and virtuosic as its focus, uh, and it didn't start out that way. You know, strings have have violins have been used as a folk instrument to accompany dance for centuries, uh, and it still is in in you know more bluegrass circles and Celtic circles and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that you know that that's its folk roots. But guys like uh, Paganini and uh, others have taken it to a virtuosic level, and uh, which which there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, don't get me wrong, but it's a departure from the more chordal and rhythmic roots that it, it uh, used to have as a folk instrument. And uh, I, I think uh, to ignore that rhythmic aspect is uh, does a disservice to strings and sort of painted our, ourselves into a corner because the you know the pop music world is not so interested in western european you know european 19th century virtuosity just doesn't it doesn't really work not at all <laughs> it's not of much use in our current um popular music you know uh culture no it's far more useful to know to have that sense of rhythm that you talk about and the chordal aspect, which I actually, I, I can't speak on very well because in the style that I'm kind of going in, that I, that, that I am in, uh, that I'm a, whatever that I do, um, it's all power chords or straight up just sometimes they're like diminished, like, like, uh, like, Like things like this, where it's like tritones, tritones like all day, you know. So, so I actually there are there are what I am really happy to see are there's not enough of them, but um, guys like Gabe Terracciano, you know the new guy in Turtle Island, 
You know that guy? Uh-huh, yes, yeah. I did a gig with him, and he was, it was, it, 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 we were doing, like, whatever, like, Stella by Starlight or something, and, like, and his knowledge, like, his chordal abilities, we need to see more of. Yes. I think, like, yes. how he can, like, just play these jazz chords on the violin, while, because in this set, in, in this particular setting, I was definitely the weaker, the weaker link, because we all have our, you know, like, what do we, Obviously, you're here. Mm -hmm. Like I'm on this podcast because I play this style, right? We all have our strengths. We all have our strengths, yeah. right? So in this, I knew the melody, and I, I said to Gabe, "I'm like, I'm not comfortable doing the chords. Like, I, it's not." Mm -hmm. And it was just the two yeah. of us for the for, yeah. for the for the uh, for the cocktail hour. And he's like, "Listen, right. just play the chords. I mean, just play the melody. I'll do the chords." And what he did right. was gorgeous, and it was right, yeah. and it was all the things that we are talking about here. And yep. I would love to see more players. Uh, me too, man. This is the thing. You know, this is my whole beef with, with this pedagogy stuff. You know, the virtuosity is great, but strings are also so capable of doing so much of what guitars do, which is accompanying and being a chordal instrument, especially when you have five, six, or seven strings. Uh, and it's my contention that six-string violins are going to be the instrument of the future, just because guitars have kind of set up a precedent of what the, the you know, you need a certain amount of bass to have a con uh, convincing chord, you know, to have a bass note in your chord, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, a, a four-string violin only goes down to that G. It's sort of like a ukulele compared to a guitar. Uh, in order to be a full-fledged chordal instrument, which we are capable of being, uh, we we need that extra octave of range. And, uh, and this is a, a, a part of string playing that has been overlooked in the last hundred or so years. So years. Right. And which I, I think we are moving back towards. That's my my hope, Me too. anyway, and and uh, what I'm hoping this this podcast will help to uh, encourage in a lot of string players, and uh, and to that end, I have just one question to ask you. All right, Earl, do you feel like playing a little game here of not my gig? Ah! This is the part you've been dreading. You've been dreading this moment. Yeah, I was like so stoked, and that you know, so when you when you emailed me like asking me to participate, I was like a hundred percent. And then when you emailed the thing, I was like, <laughs> we all we all have to face, um, we all have to face death, <laughs> right? Moments of discomfort. Moments of discomfort, and I think uh, uh, approaching it are, are head on is uh, <laughs> not to run. <laughs> from now don't run there's nowhere to hide there's nowhere to hide so <laughs> so Earl Minion as a as a an upstanding member of the vitamin string quartet we're gonna find out how much you know about vitamins oh god <laughs> oh jeez alright yeah, alright uh, this is gonna be awesome because it's gonna reveal total and complete ignorance. So that's all right. You went to music school, so you got an excuse. Uh, okay. So you get three questions, you get two out of three right, and you win. Right. All right? Okay. Simple as that. Simple as that. Okay. Question number one. Robert W. Yoder. <laughs> is, I, did, I didn't make that Already up. Already I is lost. Credi <laughs> is credited 
with first using a term in 1942 to describe the sudden appeal of vitamins and the idea of relying on nutritional supplements rather than on obtaining vitamins from a varied diet of foods. Was this term, A, Vitamiracles, B, Vitamadness, or C, Vitamania? Wow. Uh, see, I was, my, my initial answer was going to be um, late-stage capitalist laziness, but that is not... <laughs> Um, that wasn't one of that's the, not one of the choices. One of the so, so uh, um, uh, let's go Vita with miracles, Vita miracles, Vita madness, Vita madness, or Vitamania. Let's go with Vitamania, Tracy. You are right, Woo! my friend. That is exactly what Robert. That is exactly what Robert W. Yoder had in mind right there. Vitamania at work. <laughs> Pure luck there, Tracy. Vitamania. All right. All right. Good. 1942, Good. Robert Yoder. Well, there you go. One out of three, right. I'm so Excellent. highly stressed right now that that answer and that, that, answer and that guy is going to be permanently burned into my like <laughs> consciousness. Okay. Ready for number two? Ready for number two. Okay. True or false? The name vitamin, originally called vitamins, <laughs> came from the combination of the words vittles and minerals. True or false? Vita? I don't even know what the word vita. Can I look this up online? Is that cheating? That's cheating, right? I can't. I can't look this shit <laughs> no up. No googling. On... Fuck. All right, vita, vittle. What? Vittles. That's like cat food. <laughs> Vittles and if you're in the south, if you're from the south, I guess they used to say vittles, you know, for, for, for victuals, victuals, oh, victuals, like, like, oh, have a victual, <laughs> exactly, oh. and minerals. Okay, true or false? The name vitamin, originally called vitamins, came from a combination of the words vittles and minerals. God, I was gonna say false because vittles just sounded ludicrous. But now that you say that it's like short for victuals in the South, now I'm like second guessing that like maybe it's true See? because See? you're not nice, Tracy. You are not a nice man. You are not nice. <laughs> I told you I was going to kick your ass on this, uh, on the <sighs> not my gig part. Let's go with true. I'm sorry. It is false. Damn it. Damn it. It's because I was intentionally misleading. It was never originally called vitamins. It was called vitamins. In fact... The original name was vitamine, which came from the words vital amine, and amine oh. being a kind of organic compound. And then they dropped the E of amine when they found out that not all vitamins are actually from amines. Uh, so they dropped it off and just called it vitamins. Is this all, f uh, as they say, from the Greek? <laughs> kind of. It's it's from Wikipedia. It's from, it's from. Not the from the Greek. It's from the Wikipedia. <laughs> from the, exactly. All right. All right. Last you question. Got one out of two right so far. One out of two right so far. Here's your tiebreaker. Question number three. And this one was. And I saw this. I was like, this is this is perfect for Earl. Right. Antivitamins. Anti. 
Antivitamins are compounds that interfere with the absorption of nutrients. Antivitamins may take the form of which of these three things? A, synthetic drugs and chemicals. B, compounds that naturally occur in food sources. Or C, overconsumption of the nutrients themselves. Let's go with B. <laughs> naturally compounds occurring compounds. that naturally occur in food sources. Well, you're absolutely Woo! right. Yeah! <laughs> and in fact, all three of those are actually correct. All of those can be antivitamins. Drugs, natural vitamins, or an overconsumption can all cause you to keep from absorbing your daily vitamins. My day is made. <laughs> Dude, my day is made. In fact, my every two weeks is made because you, uh, you made this podcast possible, brother. Dude, actually, so and, uh, thank you for having me. I mean, I'm- it's Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing this because I think it's really important for people to see this this strange corner of the string playing world that you occupy. You know, the, 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 <laughs> this dark, this dark corner, cellar corner of, of, of hardcore metal under this rock that- <laughs> The alley, the alley, the, 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 the strange alley that like you really shouldn't walk down, but it's not a good alley. And in the, to... Within the dumpster of the alley dumpster of metal. <laughs> I love it. That we, That's right. we crawl around in. That's right. Don't come. Don't come here, kids. No, no, no good will come of this, kids. Just don't, 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 don't come here. I hate to put you out there as a role model for string players, but I must because thank you, Tracy. Because this is it's important for people to see what's possible. Because I think you are doing stuff on the on strings that a lot of people did not think was possible, and and that's that's groundbreaking. Groundbreaking shit right there. Thank you. And uh, and if anybody is not a follower of Earl on Facebook, you got to like and follow him. Earl, man, it's been it's been great chatting with you, brother. You too, Trey. It's really been wonderful. It's been wonderful. Cool, groovy, man. Beautiful. So let me shut this off. Thanks for listening. If you want to stay in touch, please join the For the Greater Groove Facebook group. See ya. Groove on.